With both Mom and Aster gone, our tiny ground-floor apartment is quiet. Too quiet. I toss my keys onto our Formica kitchen countertop and head to Aster's room, which we shared before I moved into Mom's. The butterfly wallpaper is yellowed in spots and peeling, but Aster doesn't want to replace it. She hates change. She also hates order. I trip over a lone sneaker catching myself on her white wooden dresser. Swearing under my breath, I pull open the top drawer and comb through her all-black cotton underwear until my fingertips touch a piece of cool porcelain. The tiny box Mom bought her to keep her baby teeth in when she was six. I have a matching one. Something jiggles inside. I pop the tarnished latch. Among an array of tiny dead teeth lies Aster's present. My first impulse is to stuff the box back inside the drawer. Then I think of the police. What if they search our place and find it? Shit, Aster, where did you get this? I mutter. I snap the box closed and tread back out, hopping over an old sock that didn't make it into the hamper. I grab the large red bag I'm taking to New York, empty it, and head to the adjacent veranda Mom used as her studio. It's the only room in the apartment I feel happy in, perhaps because it's filled with colorful fabric and drenched in natural light. I find a spool of red thread, a needle, and my seam rippers and set to work. Ten minutes later, the porcelain boxes vanished inside the lining, cushioned by the foam inserts Mom used for texture in all of her quilts. A part of me feels guilty for transforming her last creation into a bag, but another part feels reassured to bring a piece of her with me on this trip. A car honks outside, making me jump. At the window, I see a forest green cab parked in front, my ride to the airport. I knuckle the window to get the driver's attention and hold out my open hand to signal five minutes. I race back to my room, place all of my belongings inside the mended bag, Check that all the lights are off, that the fridge is empty, and turning back one last time, walk off into the unknown. Indianapolis has shrunk. The backyard pools are drops of turquoise, and the vehicles are miniature toy cars rolling over looping white-dotted highways. I strain to make out the sight of Astor's jail, and think I spot it when a voice crackles over the loudspeakers, focusing my attention back inside the plane. Hi, folks. So it looks like our trip is gonna be uneventful. Just the way I like it. The pilot guffaws. We should be touching down in Newark at around 5.30 p.m. The weather in New York City is clear and sunny and in the high 80s. You should see the city coming up on your right 30 minutes before landing. I'll be sure to remind you. Sit back. Relax and have a pleasant flight. What can I get you to drink? The stewardess asks me. Champagne, orange juice, water. I'm tempted to have the champagne, but she must know I'm underage. Sparkling water would be great. When she leaves, I flick my gaze to the compartment overhead where I stuffed my bag. I've been worried about going through airport security, but it turned out fine. I go back to staring at the world below. First time on a plane? She's already back. Yes. I can always tell when someone's a sky virgin. I'm perceptive like that. She hands me the glass of water and a small packet of cashews. Have I seen you somewhere before? Your face looks awfully familiar. I'm one of the contestants on the Masterpiecers, I say, so that she doesn't come to another conclusion. The frown on her face fades. 
Of course, and here I thought they chartered private jets for their contestants. I think they do for the winners, but flying businesses. Can I get your autograph? She thrusts a cocktail napkin and a ballpoint pen at me. Sure, I say and scribble my name, Ivy Red, on the napkin before handing it back to her. I'll be rooting for you, Miss. Her voice trails off as she studies my name, and the frown gusts across her face again. Thankfully, someone's call button draws her away. When she stops by my row later, I put my headphones on, even though I'm not listening to music. I just don't want her to talk to me. To make my intentions clearer, I fasten my attention to the window and the empty sky beyond until we land. As I step off the plane, she whispers something in the other stewardess's ear, but holds her thumbs up nonetheless. She's probably figured out who I'm related to. It's not much of a secret, especially now that I've willingly stepped into the spotlight and splashed our family name on every tabloid in the United States.